0: Thank you POA again for leading us in worship today. He is truly the king of glory, man. I, I, if I didn't have a green screen behind me, I'd have been cutting some rug. I'm so excited about serving Jesus today and I hope you are as well. I want to turn to the word this morning and I want to talk to you a little bit about a life of goodness, peace, and joy, a life of goodness, peace, and joy. The primary verse of scripture comes from Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but, and here's where I'm focusing, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And let me begin with this statement. If you do not know that God desires to live inside of you, not just be in this world, not just be contactable by prayer or by interceding, but rather that he wants to live inside of you. He wants to be as close to you as your beating heart. That I want you to know this morning that you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God himself, that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's none other than the Spirit of God, wants to live inside of you. And no, it is not horrible. No, it's is—it's a little weird. It's a little different. But no, it is the most spectacular thing that can ever happen to you. It transforms your life. And so the first thing that I want everybody here listening to me, particularly if you're new to us, if you've not been with us very long, or if you're a first-time listener, a first-time person on our digital campus, I want you to understand something. We cannot live a life of goodness, peace, and joy without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The world is in chaos. There is trouble all around. People are off their chain. Everybody's losing their mind. How are we going to keep it straight? How are we ourselves going to keep it straight? How do we know what is truth and what is false? How do we know what to trust and not to trust? How in heaven's name, pastor, can we have a life of goodness and peace and joy? I'm here this morning to tell you the way that you can have it is through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because where God is, there is order, there is peace, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory, and there is the very definition of good. God is good. And if you want a life of goodness and peace and joy, I encourage you throughout the sermon this morning and throughout the rest of our worship that you understand it's not going to come through something you do. It's going to come through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, church, I want you to understand that and realize that as well, because we are living in a day and age in which we have become distracted from that. And when I say we, I'm not necessarily targeting you, and I'm not necessarily even targeting our local church, but rather the larger church is having struggle with it. And if they are having struggle with it, then we have to be guarded against it as well. There is so much confusion. There is so much mistruth. There is so much anger. There is so much angst. And we are losing sight that the Holy Spirit is not about all that. It's about goodness. It's about peace. It's about joy. And it's about us through the power of the Holy Spirit living that life. Now, if you recognize the passage, Romans is coming after a passage in which Paul instructs about obedience to civil authorities and about obedience to, Uh, to the law of the land. And what's ironic is, is this life of goodness, peace, and joy, this instruction that we can have this while being obedient to the authorities and obedient to governments and obedient to those that have responsibility. It's not like it was a great time period. This letter, most scholars believe, was written during the reign of Nero, I looked it up and and kind of refreshed my memory. I do have a bit of of expertise in the Roman Empire, but I wanted to make sure. And most scholars think that the worst Roman Empire emperor that, that the empire ever had was Caligula, but right behind him was a man named Nero. This is who was in power when Paul wrote to the church at Rome and said, the kingdom of God is not about what we eat or drink. And I'm going to enlarge that slightly. It's not about what's going on in this physical world but it's living a life in this physical world that is defined by the work of the Holy Spirit in us so that we are living a life of goodness and a life of peace and a life of joy. Joy does not need to have certain circumstances when the Holy Spirit is operating in your life. Peace does not need to have certain circumstances when the Holy Spirit is operating in your life. Goodness does not require certain circumstances when the Holy Spirit is working in your life. It doesn't matter whether you're being persecuted or whether you are being lifted up. Your life of goodness and joy and peace is a result of the Holy Spirit. It is not a result of our circumstances And this is where I think we as Christians sometimes are getting distracted. We're losing sight because we're looking around and we're seeing all the stuff that's wrong. And don't get me wrong. We have to respond to it. We have to eat and we have to sleep and we need uh, shelter and we need to take care of these things. But we need to remember that is not what the kingdom is about. We are willing to do anything in this life as long as it is consistent with the kingdom. It's that simple. And the kingdom gives us clarity. You see, God has not given us a spirit of fear, Paul writes to Timothy, but of love and power and a sound mind, a clear mind, being able to discern what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong. What is the season? What is the time? What is necessary for now? I don't know how to explain this. I don't know how to tell you any better, but right now I do not feel disturbed because the kingdom is a kingdom of goodness and peace and joy and that's where my focus is I'm not telling you, I don't have days that I don't get distracted. I'm not telling you, I don't have days that I don't feel down. But every single time I turn back to the Holy Spirit, which thank God I have received Him in me. I was six years old when God filled me with the Holy Spirit. So if you're listening today and you're saying, I don't think that'll work for me or I don't think it's possible for me, I'm telling you, if Stephen Beardsley at six years of age can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I promise you, you can as well. You don't need a certain sort of circumstances to do so. I'm telling you, I was laying, sleeping in church on a front pew of chairs, woke up, stumbled to the altar and God filled me with the Holy Ghost because I asked him with a sincere heart. You do not need the church to receive the Holy Ghost. You do not need a certain set of worship songs to receive the Holy Ghost. You don't need to have a certain level of knowledge to receive the Holy Ghost. Receiving the Holy Ghost within your life and living inside of you is a work of God. You have to submit to it and you have to ask for it, but it is not something that you do. You are saved by grace through faith, not of what you do, not of works, because then you would boast, you would take credit. No, this work of the Holy Spirit that produces a life of goodness and peace and joy is the work of the Holy Spirit. So when we find ourselves not living a life that's characterized by goodness and peace and joy. Then we have to recognize that we are turning our attention and our focus and our submission away from the work of God because God's goodness and God's peace and God's joy doesn't care who's ruling, doesn't care what's going on, doesn't care about the life circumstances. You can have goodness and peace and joy in the midst of the worst circumstances, and you can have goodness and peace and joy and live a life of that in the best circumstances and everything in between. Now, I want to back up to the context. Paul is dealing with specific contexts of people who felt that it was wrong to eat certain foods, and then others who felt that it was wrong to celebrate certain days, and then others felt that they should eat those foods, or, or at least they were permitted to, and that they should celebrate those days. Now, here's one of the problems, and here's where I'm going to turn my attention a little bit to the church. So if you're a guest, listen in. It's relevant for you, but I want to turn my attention to our church a little bit. In verse number one, the apostle Paul instructs and says, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Now here's one of the problems we've got. We Christians, as we grow in Christ, we have a tendency to become know it alls. We have a tendency to think we are supposed to go around and correct everybody. We even have a tendency out of right motivation to think that we are responsible to do that. But here's the problem. Your life of goodness and peace and joy is your most effective witness. Not your mouth, not the words you speak, not the teaching that you do, not the correction, but rather the life of goodness and peace and joy that you live. It is the most effective witness because people will sense that, see that and say, I want what you have. And it's a whole different dynamic when somebody says to you, What do you believe about this versus you saying, hey, newsflash, you're wrong. You think about it. How many of you like to be told that you're wrong? How many of you like somebody walking up to you and telling you that you're wrong? I'd rather ask somebody. When I go to a medical doctor and I ask them a question, I'm more open because I'm asking them, hey, how do I address this? How do I deal with this? It's a whole different dynamic. So the scriptures, Paul writes, and he says to the church in Rome, he says, don't get all high and mighty, except other believers who are weak in faith. We're not talking about things that are going to send you straight to hell or that the scriptures are crystal clear on, but we are talking about some of those things that are not so clear. Some of those things in which there is an application, some of those things where it might be wrong for you to do it, and it might be right for somebody else to do it. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. In other words, and here's where we get it flipped. Those who understand better are more kind. Those who have greater understanding are more gentle. Those who have greater understanding are more tolerant. That's not happening in the larger church, is it? Those who feel the end time is upon us, their voice is harsh. Those who feel that you're not supposed to do this or that, And I'm not just talking about COVID 19 and the vaccine. I'm talking about all kinds of things. They're ready to get up on their soapbox and correct. Now, let me give you another verse, and I encourage you to read all of Romans chapter 14. It's a very powerful chapter, it's very useful. But for sake of time and clarity, I'm only sticking to a couple of verses today. Verse number 13. I want you to notice here's part of your key. When you condemn, you are never following the spirit. Paul says, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? When you find either of those actions present in your life, that is a signal that you're not operating according to the spirit. You're operating according to the flesh. Because what's happened is, is condemnation is a result of judgment. Now You are called by scripture to judge yourself. You are called to study the scriptures, to study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You are required to know the word of truth, but then what you do with it towards another believer should flow out of a life of peace. It should flow out of a life of joy. It should flow out of a life of goodness as the spirit operates within you. And the spirit is never going to lead you to look down on another believer. It is going to lead you to gentleness and kindness. It is not going to lead you to condemnation. Condemnation means you've climbed up in the judgment seat. And many of you know what I'm about to say right now. Your butt don't fit that throne. Get out of the throne get off of that judgment seat. It is not your place. If the Holy Spirit isn't speaking to that new believer, then where do you think you're going to be effective? See, it's hubris. It's pride. It's arrogance. It's looking down on one another. I'm going to do God's job. See, we are called to bear witness. Think about this for a moment. What does a witness do? A witness simply tells what they know And they are called by the court to verify things the court is already aware of. You are called to be a witness. You are not a prosecutor. You are not supposed to be prosecuting the Christian, your fellow believer. No, you are supposed to be a witness. And a witness only speaks when they're asked. Mm, I hope somebody's getting a little bit of correction here. I know I am and within my spirit because there are times that I can tell you're wrong. I can tell you're being stupid. I can tell you're doing something that's not wise. I, I'm ready to help you and I'm going to bring you some correction. I'm going to bring you some direction. How well does that always go over? Y'all like that when I come ramping in like that? I'm not talking about what is preached, but even that there's a tone. I'm not talking about what was teach. <laughs> yeah, teach what is taught. My, my wife right now just shivered and went, oh hmm. my goodness. He just said teach. Anyway, I'm in the passion here, folks. Give me some space. It's not about what is taught, because that is not targeted. That is not at a particular person. By the way, you know where we where we mess up the most on this? Where we don't have to look one another in the face. So guard yourself on social media, folks. I'm not telling you to shut down social media. I'm telling you, stop blathering so much with your fingers. Some of you, uh, hey, you all know I talk like crazy, right? I talk and talk and talk and talk in person. Some of you. Do not talk in person, but you talk with your fingers way too much. Are you demonstrating with your fingers the life of goodness and peace and joy? Let me take you on a little bit further. So uh, verse number uh, 13 tells us. Actually, that was verse number 10. Let me take you to verse number 13. Sorry, I got lost there for a moment. So verse number 13, Paul says, so let's stop condemning each other. Instead, live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Boy, there's some preachers out there. I don't know that anybody's listening to this, but if there are any of my peers out there, you need to learn this. I am still a believer. You should not be a source of stumbling and falling for me. Right now, there are certain forums that if I get on them, I get depressed, not because I've changed my lifestyle, not because I don't believe the gospel, but because you people cannot treat one another with kindness, with joy, with peace. And I think the reason is, is because we're losing our joy. We're losing our peace. We're losing our goodness because we're looking at the broken world around us. And ladies and gentlemen, this world's broke. This world is messed up right now. Goodness has flown the coop. Joy is nowhere to be found. Peace? What's peace? Oh, but in the life that the Holy Spirit has for us, that is not dependent upon circumstances, that is not dependent upon what we're going through, there is a life of goodness and joy and peace. Why? For the kingdom of God is not about all of this other stuff, but instead it's about living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the holy spirit now paul goes on verse 22 he says you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing but keep it between yourself and god if you know that something is true but it's going to cause offense to your brother or sister it is permissible for you to be wise and to wait for them to come to that place We need some discretion. I know it's really funny that I'm preaching this sermon this morning. I know it's really funny that it's my mouth that is telling you all to have discretion. I get it. I understand. I understand that some may be critical and saying I'm being hypocritical. I'm just going to leave you to talk to God about that. This is all I've got. I either preach you what he gave me or I don't preach anything. Some of you need to learn discretion. Just because you know it, just because it's true, doesn't mean you need to say it. Well, Steve, are you denying truth? How can you deny truth? Church, how do you deny truth? Truth is truth. You can't deny truth. You aren't that important. You aren't that powerful. You don't have that skill. But truth can be a sword that kills. The word, Paul says, can kill, but the spirit giveth life. Live the life of goodness and peace and joy. If you're not peaceful, in spite of your circumstance, If you don't have joy, in spite of what you're going through, if you don't have goodness coming out of your life, shut your mouth. Stop talking. Because until you get those stirred up within you, until you allow the spirit to work, whatever comes out your mouth or your fingers is not going to be good. It's not going to be helpful. You're going to hurt people. Verse 19. So then let us... Aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Why are we aiming for harmony? Because we're broken. There will be correction. There will be conflict. But can we have it be constructive? Can we have it be wrapped in goodness? Can we have it wrapped in peace? Can we have it operating in the midst of joy? Our most effective witness is if we are, we are people that people like to be around. If you are always a Debbie Downer, if you are always correcting somebody, if there's nothing but correction coming out of your mouth and there's never any laughter, there's never any play, there's never any joy, well, then you're struggling. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to call you to the life of the Holy Spirit. You see, Let's aim for a life of goodness. Let's aim for a life of peace and joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. Let's aim for that. And let's keep letting the Spirit work in our lives. And I I wanna close with this statement. If you would like to have a life that's good and full of peace and joy, and you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's available for you. I'm about to play a song. It's a great song. You're gonna enjoy it. and, And you can worship to it. And I want you in the midst of that just to begin to worship. In fact, I I don't even plan to come back onto the broadcast. That's how the broadcast will end. And so I want you to, to just worship God. I just want you to lift your voice to him. And don't be shocked if he takes over your tongue and your lips and you begin to speak in a language you do not understand. God has this life for you. And church, those of you that have the spirit, oh, You need to turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will fade away. They'll fade away. I didn't say you don't have to eat. I didn't say you don't need shelter. I didn't say you don't need to deal. I canceled service today and put us on the digital campus because it was a decision that had to be made. But I don't have to do it in desperation. I can do it in goodness. I don't have to do it in in frustration. I can do it in peace. I don't have to do it all sad. I can do it in joy. I have enjoyed today being with you. I'm excited about this day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You can't just choose that. But with the spirit you have the opportunity to choose that. And so today, let's aim for a life of goodness and peace and joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. I love you all. Stay tuned to your communications that'll be coming out about service next week. Let's close out with this song here, I Thank God.